Thank you for reading. Uh, and good morning, everybody. My name is David, one of the ministers here. Great to be with you. Add my welcome to Rogers. And uh, we're going to be looking at God's word now for some time. And as we come to do that, I'll lead us in prayer. Would you join me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for your spirit uh, that helps us to understand the things that you are saying to us today. So we pray, God, that you would work through the spirit to open our eyes. Uh, Lord, teach us uh, about ourselves and you. And Lord, grow us into the people that you have called us to be, that we might glorify you in this time, in this place that you have given us. Amen. Well, I thought I might start uh, with a football illustration. Is that okay? I mean, the footy season is back on, so I thought it would be okay this time. I tried to do too many, but today is one of them. Uh, and I talk like this because my, my old job was playing footy. Uh, many of you would know that. Uh, I used to play for the Sharks back in the Shire. Then I repented and joined the Panthers, um, the Mighty Panthers. Uh, but I remember the first time I played my old team. Uh, this is, you know, not a photo of that. Um, when you play your old team, you really want to beat your old team. And uh, we did, which, you know, which is not the point, but it's a good thing. <laughs> Um, but I just want you to imagine, uh, you know, playing for the Panthers, playing my old team, the Sharks. Imagine if I had run out in full Panthers kit and yet played for the other team. If I'd forgotten who I was and instead started tackling the Panthers, my teammates, and celebrating with the Sharks, my old teammates. How strange would that have been? How out of place? Uh, how odd? Uh, in fact, you'd probably never see it happen. Had to doctor the photo, of course. Um, but look, and here's the point for us today, uh, when Christians uh, don't live the way they have called to live, uh, when instead they sin, uh, that is like what they are doing. It's like they are going back to the old team and joining in with them. Because Christians have joined a new team. When they have believed in Jesus, uh, they are on God's team, uh, they are made new for a new life. Uh, but sometimes what we do is we forget who we are and, and we go back to the old ways. And we've been talking about uh, this in Ephesians. We've been talking about how the first half of the letter really tells us about the new life that we have in Christ, that we've been called to belong to Jesus. We are new. And then the second half is all about how you live that new life, right? how you live a life worthy of God's calling. And we've been seeing that, you know, we're not sort of on God's team because we're such good players and God just had to have us. He really needed us. No, we are, we are there by God's grace. Uh, God has saved us and made us alive uh, because of his great love. And so now he has called us to be his people uh, who are learning his way of life, playing on his team. And even though, you know, as Christians we, are, we have joined this new team, uh, there is always that temptation to go back to the old. Uh, you must know this, that temptation to go back to the old self, uh, to go back into old habits, to listen to the old coach and do what he says. And so what we see Paul doing, particularly in this, in this, in this letter to the Ephesians, is reminding them constantly about who they are, reminding them about their new life and how they are to live that new life now in Christ. Well, we've been seeing this a lot. We, we saw it particularly last week. Uh, we saw Paul uh, reminding them who they are in Christ, that new self. 
and how they are to be that way, to live that way in Christ and to put on the new self and to keep putting off the old. And so Paul is kind of, he's continuing with that theme today, but I think the, the difference is here, he's just widening the lens a little bit. Uh, he's, he's getting to look at uh, them together as the church uh, in light of this time they live and this place they live, uh, in this world that they live. All right, he's answering the question for them, how do we live as God's people in this world and at this time in a way that glorifies him, in a way that's really going to stand out in the world? And so what he does is he draws on uh, some distinctive qualities that set them apart as God's people. Right? This is who they are now and this is how they are to live. And so the qualities that he's going to mention uh, as we go through uh, are that, that you are holy and so you should live that holy life. Uh, you are now light, so you should live as children of the light and you are wise and so you want to be living in the wisdom of the Spirit. So we're going to work through each of those. We're going to see uh, how God calls us uh, to be his people. And so first we're going to look at here uh, that you are holy, live as God's holy people. Uh, and we can see this letter was written to, uh, if you go, go back to verse 1, if you flick back to verse 1 of chapter 1, you will see it is written to God's holy people. And to be holy just means to be, be set apart to serve God for his special purpose. And so they are already holy because they have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. He has made them holy. Now they are to live as God's holy people. And so the area that Paul really sort of narrows in on here and focuses in on uh, for holiness is sexual purity. So have a look at verse 3 and we'll read from there. Now Paul says to them, But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality, or of any kind of impurity, or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. So he's talking about sexual immorality here, uh, which is any kind of sexual activity outside of God's good design for it. Uh, and God's design is marriage between one man and one woman for life. Uh, that's God's design for sexual activity. Um, but here we see there is sexual immorality, which is against that. Right, and Paul then adds to that impurity uh, to show that he's not just talking about the, acts, the act of sex outside marriage, uh, but he's also talking about all the sin that surrounds sexual immorality. He says later in verse 12 that, that these things are shameful even to mention among God's people. And so I'm going to, I'm going to leave you to know what those things are. Uh, not only are these things improper, out of place for God's holy people, uh, but also joking about them, uh, treating them casually, as Paul says there, uh, with obscenity and foolish talk. All these things are out of place among God's holy people. Right? And, and, but this attitude is so common in, in our time, isn't it? Uh, it was also common back in the first century. It, it was the air they breathed as well. Um, I, I want to talk about, in, in our culture though, um, we see it all the time and we, and we might be desensitised to it. Uh, we see it on the media, in TV commercials. I, I know there's this TV commercial at the moment for KFC 
Um, and what happens in this commercial is that a, a boss is joining a Zoom meeting uh, and she's late because she just woke up. And in the background, you see why she's late, because she's been there with an employee and everyone sees it. And she says, you know, it's time for KFC. And that's, that's the ad. And it's meant to be a joke. Uh, it's meant to be funny and lighthearted. And that's the way that our world thinks about sex and sexual morality. Uh, it is just a joke. And we live in that world. And so we are very much in danger of taking that on board, thinking that way, and even behaving that way. Uh, but that way, of, that way of thinking and behaving is out of place for God's people. Uh, we are different. We have something far better. Uh, do you see what Paul says here that we do instead in relation to, uh, to sex? Uh, we have an attitude of thanksgiving. Uh, Paul says instead, let there be thanksgiving. So Christians are not, we're not anti-sex or prudish. Uh, we thank God for it because he created it, because he gives it to us as a gift to be enjoyed in the way that he says to enjoy it. And that is a beautiful and good thing. And so we give thanks to God for that. And like Paul, we also know that sexual immorality is no joke. It's very serious. It has eternal consequences. And so Paul goes on here in, in verse 5. He talks about this. He says, For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Uh, how different is the attitude uh, to sex that we see in the Bible that Paul has here? Uh, don't be deceived. Uh, the way that you live, the way you treat your body and use it matters to God. Our actions have eternal consequences. Uh, God's wrath, his eternal punishment, comes upon those who are disobedient. And now, now Paul here is not talking about, you know, anyone who has ever committed, you know, any kind of, of sexual sin that, that they are going to hell. Uh, the people he's talking about are those who are willfully disobedient in this way and unrepentant. Now, they're the people he's talking about. And he says, therefore, do not be partners with them in verse 7. Right, because that is, that's the old team. Right? That's the old self. That's the old way of life. Right? Don't be like them in the way you behave, in the way that you speak, in the way that you think about this stuff. Uh, remember who you are. Right? You are God's holy people. And so we live together as God's holy people. Uh, then Paul then moves on to talking about uh, a light. And darkness. So Paul says to them that you are light, therefore live as children of light. Right? And this relates to holiness in the way that if we live holy lives, we're going to be light in the world. Right? Paul is again reminding them who they are and how they should live. So have a look at verse 8. Paul says, For you were darkness, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Right? So they, they, they were darkness. They used to be darkness. Right? That is their unbelief and their sin that he's talking about there. Uh, but now they are light. Right? Through faith in Jesus who has forgiven them. 
Uh, they've been made new. They are light. And notice there, it's not, you know, you are in light, like you are walking in light, but you are light, right? The difference between, you know, the, the spotlight being in the light and, and then being the spotlight, being the light that shines. And Paul's saying that, that you are the light. And because you are the light, live as children of light, right? Which means doing things in verse 9, doing things that are good and right and true. And verse 10, doing things that are pleasing to the Lord, right? Your obedience to God uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ, right? That is a shining light to our world. Right, so we have a new relationship to, to darkness that is in the world. Yeah, Verse 11 tells us about this. Uh, Paul now says, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Because right, that's what light does. When light shines, it exposes darkness. You walk into a dark room, you can't see anything, you flick the light on and, and you can see. The light exposes what is in the dark. Right? And that is what is happening when, when Christians live obedient lives to God and are shining lights, uh, they are exposing the darkness in the world, exposing other people's sins. Right? And if you've been a Christian for any sort of length of time, you will have noticed this. Right? For example, if, if you were someone who chose not to have sex before you were married, uh, that would have shone amongst your peers. Um, if, you, if you choose not to watch a television show because of the sexual content in it, uh, that's going to stand out to people that do watch it. Uh, when you don't join in the crude joking uh, at work or in the footy change room and instead you get up and you leave, uh, people notice that. It shines light on darkness. Uh, when you choose uh, to not get drunk at the party but to leave early, Right, that is light in darkness. And, and your light exposes the sins of others. And when that happens, um, usually you get one of two responses when light exposes darkness. The first one is that people hate the light. Right, Jesus, uh, he spoke about this um, in John, uh, saying there that everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. So you can see there that uh, evil hates light. Uh, evil hates being exposed by light. And so when they are exposed, they actually hate the light that exposed them. They hate the person who exposed them. That's what happens a lot of the time. And that's why Christians can be hated and disliked uh, by others for the way that they live. Right? And that is really hard. But I like, I was really helped by what Lionel Windsor wrote. If you've been looking at his uh, Lift Your Eyes Ephesians blog online, really helpful. Uh, but as he was talking about this passage, he said something really helpful. He said that this passage isn't about being liked, it's about being light. Right? That is a good reminder to us who follow Jesus. We don't obey him to be liked by everybody, <laughs> that's not going to happen. Uh, we obey Jesus to be light in the world, to reflect his light to others. And sometimes uh, that will mean we'll be hated for that. Uh, but we do it anyway, uh, because we're hoping for the second response. Uh, the second response is that people can become light. So have a look at Ephesians 5, 13 and 14. 
Paul says, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. So your light might be the light that God uses to wake someone from their sleep. Right? You might do some good deed or some good thing that they notice Uh, It exposes their darkness. But instead of hating you, it might cause them to reflect, you know, what's going on for this person? Why are they different? Uh, What is the hope that they have? And in that space, you have an opportunity to share the gospel, to share the difference that Jesus has made in your life and for them to hear that and believe and, like you, uh, to go from darkness to light, to go from death to life. Right? And if, if one person out of a hundred does that, if 99 people hate you for your light, but one person uh, believes in the Lord Jesus, isn't that worth it? Uh, isn't it worth being a light in the world uh, for that person who will believe that God will use you to save another? Uh, that makes it worth it. And so remember that you are light. God has made you a light. Uh, So be that light in the world. Uh, And thirdly, we see Paul moving on to now uh, talking about uh, wisdom. He's saying, you are wise, so live in the the wisdom of the Spirit. Not is, I've made a mistake there. Live in the wisdom of the Spirit. You see, because we are God's holy people, we are his light in the world, that's a a high privilege. So we need to be thinking about, how can I be wise uh, in living that way? Right? And so Paul, he talks about that in verse 15 to 16. He says, Be very careful then how you live, uh, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Right? Again, here we see they're, they're already wise. Okay? Paul has already prayed for them that they would have the spirit of wisdom, not because they didn't have the spirit, but because they did have the spirit. And he's praying that the Spirit would grow them in their wisdom and understanding. You know, because when Christians get the Holy Spirit, it doesn't just sort of download everything they need to know and all the wisdom they need for their life. Uh, It is something that they must grow in. And so Paul prays for that. and, uh, And here he wants them to be thinking about, how do I live a wise life? Well, that's what it means to be very careful. Uh, He's talking about examining your life. Like really thinking about how do I live a wise Christian life in this time that I have left? You know, like we do this all the time. Um, You know, we think about our diet. You know, what kind of food should I eat and exercise? What kind of things should I do to be healthy? Or, Or, you know, we think about our careers. You know, what should I study and what job should I get and how much should I get paid? And we kind of think about those things carefully. But do we think about our Christian lives in that way? Do we examine them and think carefully about how we should be living? Because that's what, that's what Paul is calling us to here. He wants us to do that so we make the most of every opportunity. So we make the most of the time that we have left serving God. And this is another contrast between the old and new. Because he's saying to the Ephesians, look, you've lived enough time the old way, right, in sin, uh, without God, like enough time has been spent 
in that place. Now you've been made new and you have this much time left. You've got to make the most of that now for God, living his way. And so then Paul, he sort of comes back to illustrating this with a contrast between the old and the new, right? The kind of the old gathering they might have been a part of and then the new gathering that they are a part of now. So verse 18, uh, Paul says here, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. You see, so the old gatherings they might have been a part of uh, were ones that were, you know, under the influence of alcohol, right, which leads to debauchery. That's a funny word. What does that mean? Uh, It means being reckless. It means being wasteful. It's kind of a wild, uncontrolled living. He says that's that's old. That is gone now. Uh, And instead, be filled with the Spirit. Right, so this is, this is the new gathering they're a part of, uh, a new gathering under the influence of the Spirit, which in contrast to the alcohol is, is sober uh, and is wise and is self-controlled. You know, uh, we know alcohol can cause people to sing, right? Karaoke, because uh, it, 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 it lowers your inhibitions, uh, it lowers your self-awareness, and, and so, you, so you sing. Right? And that might be fun. But here Paul's saying, you've got something better than that. You have the Spirit causing you to sing. And this is not a lack of control, it's full control of, of the mind and the heart. How much better is it being under the influence of the Spirit? And so he speaks about the gathering here in 5.19 to 20. He says that, that under the influence of the Spirit, you are speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, Are you sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ? So under the influence of the Spirit, God's people sing because they're full of joy, because they know God. And we sing to one another. You can see there, we're singing to one another. We are speaking uh, these these songs to one another, linking it with the things you said about speech. You know, we, we speak in love and we speak to build one another up. That's why we sing as well. And we also sing to the Lord. Uh, The Lord makes our hearts happy and glad and we sing and praise him with thanksgiving uh, for all his grace and all his goodness to us. Which gathering would you like to be part of? The the old or the new? I I think I want to be part of the new gathering. And if, if you're someone who is a Christian who has the spirit, that is the desire of your heart to be here and to be under the influence of the spirit. And so all these things uh, that Paul's been talking about, uh, he's talking about the, the Christian gathering, their lives marked in a way that is distinctive in the world. They are holy, they are light, and they are a wise people. You know, and so you know, reading this passage and thinking about these things, it took my mind actually back to Deuteronomy. Uh, and there's a great passage where Moses is talking to the people of God, Israel. And the situation that they are in in Deuteronomy uh, is very similar to the situation of the church today. A lot of similarities, you know, because they were saved from, from slavery in Egypt, uh, just like we have been saved from sin and death. Uh, and they were gathered by God to hear his word, uh, just like we have been gathered to hear his word uh, through Jesus Christ. And they were about to enter into the promised land 
They're about to go into that place of promise and rest. And we as God's people are about to enter into God's eternal rest of promise. And it is not long until we will be there. And so Moses is addressing the people of God saying, this is a privileged place to be. And you have a great responsibility to be God's people. And so he encourages them here. He's going to encourage us as well as we think about it as Christians. So have a read of this. It's two slides, uh, but he's preaching, so it all works. Okay, so Moses says, uh, See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this bodies of laws I am setting before you today? Do you you see the the privilege and responsibility that Moses gives to the people? To know they have God's love and they have his law and they they are to live his way uh, in such a way as to display God's glory to the world, to the nations. That was them then, but what about us now? How much more privileged are we to know God through Jesus Christ? To be God's holy Uh, light-filled, wise people in this day and in this age. Uh, We have this great privilege and responsibility uh, to live as God's people in the world and to display his glory to people. And you think about the time we live. Like We live now on the brink of eternity. Uh, It is a short time until Jesus comes back or we go to be with him. And God is doing an amazing work through us. Uh, He is shining his glory to the world as we live as his people. Remember, God has saved us to be his people. Uh, So let's live lives that glorify him. Uh, Let's live lives worthy of that calling. Uh, Let us be holy. Uh, Let us be light to the world. Uh, Let us be wise, making the best use of time so that people might see light in their darkness. They might come to, come to know Jesus like we have, right? And God might be glorified. Right? We together have this wonderful privilege and responsibility. Uh, let's live in the way God has called us to live. And uh, we need God's help to do that. And so I'm going to pray for us now. Would you join me in prayer? We'll ask God to do this work in us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great privilege it is to be called your people through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Thank you, Lord, that that we are holy, that we are light, uh, and that we are wise. And Lord, I pray that we would live in such a way as to display those things in our lives. Lord, we pray this so that that we might be helped, but also so that the world might see uh, and they might know what a great God you are who saves. And Father, we thank you for the spirit that is your power at work in us. And Lord, I pray you would grow us uh, to be the people who you have called us to be. Uh, Lord, so that we might honour your name in this time that you have given us. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.